0: What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 25 of Mr. Benfica. I am, of course, your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Welcome back to another week. How is everyone doing this week? How's everyone doing tonight? Benfica start the season off the right way with the 5 0 thumping of Passos de Ferreira at the Stadio de Luge in front of 62,000 plus last Saturday. Um, what a, what a match, huh, for, for Nuno Tavares. I have to say something. I think he heard my podcast last week. Oh, my, my bad, bro. I think you heard me. I think you heard me say that uh, I wish we had a right back like Thierry Correa, huh? Um, Nuno Tavares showed up in big, big form on Saturday. Um... Solid defensively as he has been, that's never been the issue. But, man, once he scored that wonder strike with his left foot, he gained all kinds of confidence, and that right foot was coming along. It was great to see. Man, we got another crack on our hands, I think. I think we got another crack, the formação on our hands. Big shout-out, first of all, before we start to the people I was interacting with a little bit earlier. I had This is take two of this segment. Unfortunately, I was... Uh, Recording, or I thought I was recording this segment a little bit earlier on Instagram Live. Big shout out to Vintiou, to Luiz. Um, if you haven't yet, check out his channel on YouTube. All right, it's I believe it's it's uh if you just search for Vintiou, um, the word Vint underscore um. Uh, all right, um, it's Luiz Skeda is his name. Uh, he's out in the UK, Portuguese guy. Big Benfiquista. He had an awesome show last week um with Dylan and Mario from Benfica after 90 um speaking portuguese and that was dope that was dope bro that i i really really enjoyed that episode um never heard those guys speak portuguese before so that was pretty awesome also shout out to my brother from another shout out to Brian Andrade my cousin my former roommate my old teammate all right uh, i also coached him a little bit uh thank you for checking in bro. Long time no talk. We got to catch up for sure. Um also thank you to Ruben X2 the X uh for chiming in. Um his comments was that Benfica's 5 nothing was not even a game. <laughs> That's true, but I think we could have been even better. I'm going to talk about it later when we break down the match, but I think that Benfica could have been even better in this match. There's still a lot to improve on this team. Let's not get carried away. Um, the results are, have been good, but there's still plenty of room for improvement on this team, and um, that's the way I like it at least. Um, that just shows how how good this team can potentially be this season. Um, just want to fill you guys in. All right. Um there's was a podcast. That, you know I like to, to promote the other podcasts on this show all the time. And uh, whenever I come across one that I think I want to recommend to everybody, I came across that today uh, listening while I was at work. I was listening to the latest episode from Ubrink de Baptista. If you understand Portuguese, go to Benfica Independent, okay, and get this episode. It's episode 20. Excuse me, episode 12, Camisa Doze, okay, is the name of the episode. And it's all about racism in football in Portugal. Um, there's a there's a segment on how it is handled in football in Brazil as well. Um, but you know, Sergio and and his co-host have a guest on the show this week. Uh, He's a lawyer. Uh, His name is José Smedo Fernandes, okay, and he is of Cape Verdean descent, and he talks about, you know, growing up in the bairros in Lisbon. um, Growing up, you know, of color, um, Cape Verdean descent, and he talks about some of the things that, that he was called from the stands when he was just a kid playing ball, you know, playing competitively. He's f- f- federated, uh, sanctioned, we'd say sanctioned football here in the United States, is the term we would use, and some of the racism he encountered in his life. Um, he talks about uh, some history of racism during the regime as well, um, and he talks about encounters with police and he does a very good job of not being political about it. He he keeps it real. He just talks about the situations, what happened, sticks with facts. I really really enjoyed the episode. I, I learned a lot, you know. Those of us that uh were born abroad or live abroad, I think there's a, you know, it's good for us to get a, a whole rounded um account of Portugal. Okay, I love Portugal, there's no question. I hope to one day you know, retire there, I'm not, I want to make my money here, and then I want to be in Portugal after that, I want to see out my last days, in Foz do Orelho, <laughs> there in the, in, you know, in the, the area of Caldas da Rainha, my, my city that I, that I love, I want to be there at the end, when it's all over, and I want to obviously be there to follow Benfica around for my final years as well, um, but, but yeah, there it gives you a more rounded, and it's good for us to educate ourselves too on where we come from. On, it's a much more diverse Portugal um, than many realize. Okay, it's a, it's a diverse culture, but there's also subcultures. There's also other, um, there's other things going on that that everyone needs to be made aware of. Okay, and this episode really just was it it. Blew it out of the water for me. What a great episode. Um, like I said, Jose Smidu uh, Fernandes gives a great account of his life and of what he's experienced. Um, what he's heard people s- s- yell, not just at him, but even in the Stadio de Luge what he's heard people yell towards certain players. And um, it needs to be acknowledged and it needs to be stamped out. Okay, A of, of football of society... Um, there's just no place for it, and what I really liked. He also he he hit on some other things too. It's just not racism against um against you know Luso Africanus, against uh Portuguese people of African descent or Africans who migrated to Portugal. He also talks about the racism that people uh have have exhibited towards the Romani people. Romani people, of course, that is the, the, the proper name for the people we call Gypsies or ciganos And uh, most notably, you know, uh, Ricardo Coresma is, is the one that is most known from that community in Portugal. And um, he, really, he really makes good points. And I think regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum, I think you'll appreciate this episode and enjoy it. All right. Uh, they did a good job of keeping it very... Um, factual keeping it free of propaganda keeping it free of agenda and it just talking it's a story of what happened so if you if you understand portuguese go to Befik independent get ubrink the batista episode 12 it's also available on google play it's where i got it it's available on apple podcasts i am pretty sure so check it out all right we'll be back in just a minute with the news okay and tonight we got quite a bit of news to talk about we got uh we got some 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 contract renewals we've got some uh, loans to talk about or a loan to talk about we've also got the story of uh, of the week at this point which is the UEFA Champions League Benfica headed to pot 2 this year that is of course because football club do porto are out of the Champions League uh, and their very first hurdle the third preliminary round um, of the Champions League, they did not even get to the playoff. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I think about that and what it means for us mostly, but also for Portuguese football. I'll hit on that a little bit. You guys know what I think about, about the coefficient and about things like that, but I will hit on that briefly. But I do have a message for Porto, for their players, okay? Uh, <laughs> this is a special message for them, okay? So I'm going to say it in the language that they understand because... Um, well, they don't understand their manager. So here it goes. Escuchan. escuchen todos. Ahora que no hay Liga de Campeones. Ya no hay Champions League. Nosotros vamos tener, o vosotros, van tener clases de portugués todos los martes, todos los miércoles. okay? Todos los miércoles, todos los martes, clases de portugués porque nadie... Nadie en ese equipo entiende cualquier cosa que dice el técnico Sergio Conceição. Sergio está gritando instrucciones todo lo partido y ustedes no, no comprenden nada, <risa> nada. necesitan Necesitan asistir clases de portugués. Tantos años en Portugal para algunos y ni ni una palabrita de (laughs) portugués. Now, uh, if someone wants to translate that into French for Marega Manafa and for Abubakar, that would be great. Um, That's just a little bit of playing. You know, I'm just playing. Um, I respect that team. I don't like that team. I respect that team. And we are going to have a major battle on our hands when they come to Stadio de Luz. Next week, they're going to come in full steam ahead. They got something to prove now. Um, so we need to be ready. But that's just a little bit of playing for the Puertistas out there, okay? Um, maybe they should play some more Portuguese players. Maybe, maybe they'd be a little bit better off. I don't know. Uh, they won the UEFA Youth League last year. And, um, yeah, <laughs> Fabio Silva supposed to be better than João Felix. Uh, and he's still on the bench. Uh, Joan Felix has already gone for $126 million. But, uh, yeah, that's just a little bit of data. okay? Um, <laughs> so stay right there. We got Reconquista. We're going to pay a bill, and then we're going to have the news. All right, don't go anywhere. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino. Find me on Twitter at BenficaMister. Find me on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. We will be right back here on episode 25 of Mr. Benfica. Don't move a muscle. Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos um eterno brilho. Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica De todos nós A que não se explica carrega benfica, fica, carrega benfica. fica Ouve a nossa voz De querer de todos nós De querer de todos nós Ah. Manto sagrado é peso pesado Não o carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso Por direito que não fico Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força Sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora Nós somos o um eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o um eterno abrigo E a nossa O querer de todos nós A ver que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz So in the news this week, we're going to start off with some news about the show. Actually, last week, ladies and gentlemen, everybody listening, last week was a new record for downloads uh, here on Mister Benfica for total downloads in a week. Um, not se- not necessarily last week's episode, but last week. Um, was the most downloads that this show has ever had in one week, including different episodes. So thank you, everybody, for the immense support. And as of right now, episode 23 from two weeks ago, um, Benfica in the USA Part 3, where I talked about my experience um, seeing Benfica live up close and personal. Is now the third most downloaded episode in the history of this podcast. That is tonight, uh, the twenty fifth episode. So of the twenty four up there, episode twenty three already the third most downloads of any of the episodes. Thank you again for the the very humbling support. I am very lucky to have such um such a loyal listening uh loyal base of listeners. Thank you and now with. Week two's news in regards to the club, off the top, the most uh, the headline news tonight, if you will, is Porto's elimination from the UEFA Champions League uh, just two days ago. Um, What that means? That means Benfica is going to be now in pot number two for the Champions League group stage. A draw. Who else is in pot two? You might ask. All right. So with that, Benfica will now avoid first. Uh, Group stage matches against the following teams, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Napoli, and Spurs, um, for now, are the guaranteed ones, as well as, I believe, Shakhtar. Donetsk also um, guaranteed to not be in Benfica's groups. In Benfica's group, excuse me. A few teams could still, uh, a few more spots will still be determined in that group. Um, You know, based on the outcome of the playoff round coming up. But what that does mean is one of these teams will be in Benfica's group. Here are the the top seeds, the teams in pot one. All right, the teams in pot one are Liverpool, of course, the defending champions and holders, Europa League winners, Chelsea, Barcelona, Manchester City, Juventus, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain and Zenit St. Petersburg are the eight-seeded teams. Which one of those teams do I want to face? Well, um, for different reasons, different teams, of course. Um, I want to. I'd like to see Benfica play against. I think drawing Chelsea would be would be a good draw because I think they're down this season. I think uh, if there was ever a good season to draw a Chelsea, this is the one um, with the transfer ban and an extremely unexperienced manager. He may have been a great player, but um, we would absolutely have the advantage on the touchline if we played Chelsea. Also, I think Zenit would be a great opponent only because. Uh, what everyone what's been the huge talking point the last three days now on all of the pods on all of the three uh, of the talks if you will on the TV commentary shows um, is Zenit would be big because we're in a head to head with Russia right now for coefficient points and in order to get that extra tr- to get that third Champions League spot um, and to get the champion automatically into the group stage, well, the champ keep the champion automatically in the group stage, I should say. Um, our head-to-heads against Russia are going to be extra important, especially with Porto already being eliminated by a Russian team and being knocked to the Europa League. I'll talk about that in a moment. What I think about that, okay? Um, but I think playing Zenit would be would be big in that respect. Um, Drawing Juventus would be phenomenal, of course. Anytime you get a chance to play against Cristiano Ronaldo, that's always a great experience, always a great moment whenever he plays against Portuguese teams. And we've had a decent record against him over the years, actually. Um, Man City would be a good opponent as well, as it would mean, you know, Ederson, Cancelo, and, of course, Bernardo Silva returning to the Stadio de Luge, And, um... Although that'd be a very difficult match, I think it'd be a very special match um, if that was the way that the balls roll out. Uh, PSG's also a team I wouldn't mind seeing Benfica against. I know we've had trouble with them in the past. They're a strong team. But uh, anytime Benfica plays in Paris, Benfica is playing at home. So drawing PSG would be a extra home game, in my opinion. We would have four home matches rather than three. That's just my opinion. Um Let's talk about the coefficient for a moment, okay? Everybody's been talking about it. Every single pundit, every single writer, every single commentator has talked about the coefficient this week. And quite frankly, I'm getting tired of being told that I'm supposed to roof a Porto because they're Portuguese. Well, you heard my my little two cents on that in the last segment when I uh, recorded, you know... (laughs) I recorded a message in Spanish for them because, uh, well, that's how much of a Portuguese team I think they are. They're a team that happens to play in Portugal in the Portuguese league, okay? Um, They're a club that's based in Portugal. Their supporters might be Portuguese, uh, but that team is not a Portuguese team. And again, I've said before, the coefficient is not really a big concern of mine. But if you want to talk about it, if anything, um, I think Portugal is going to benefit with Portugal going into to the Europa League to be quite honest with you. Um, if you look at the way that the points are distributed, the difference between making the Champions League group stage and the Europa League group stage is only one coefficient point. All right, You get four points for being in the Champions League group stage. You get three points for being in the Europa League group stage. So, you're not losing much there. But Porto are going to win a lot of games in this year's Europa League. I don't doubt it for a minute, okay? They're going to turn this thing around, okay? Yeah, I poked some fun at them a little while ago, but you want my serious opinion. Porto are going to turn this thing around. This Let's not start making plans for the Marquez in August, okay? Um, they're in a little bit of a bad spell, but remember where we were one year ago, okay? Not even one year ago. Remember where we were eight months ago, okay? Eight months ago. All right, so let's not get carried away. Okay, they have supposedly Sergio son got a vote of confidence from uh, the from the chairman from the the president, of course, Pinto the Pinto the whatever. I'm not even gonna say his name. That's what I think of him. But anyway, um, he's given him a, a vote of confidence. Usually, that's like the last the last string, the last bit of rope. Um, if things don't go their way in the next couple games. If we can smash them in a week at the Stadio de Luz, I don't know. I, I, here, as a Benfiquista, if they get rid of Sergio Conceição, so I'll be thrilled as a Benfiquista because I think they're a they are a better team being coached by him than by somebody else. In my opinion, I think he's the right man for that club. Um, I don't like the club. I know a lot of people don't like him personally. Uh, he may not be, you know, the best example. Uh, as far as behavior but the man is a good coach okay he's not been given much to work with i'm enjoying watching this but he is going to turn this around don't for one if if given the chance if the club stick with Sergio Conceição, he's going to turn this thing around, okay? This league, this season is far from over, and they're going to get a lot of momentum in the Europa League. I think they're going to win a lot of games in the in the group stage. I think they're going to go far. I can see them going to the quarterfinals or further in the Europa League. Remember, Porto have won the last two editions of the Europa League where they have been in the group stage. Um, so I think that's going to become a major objective for them at this point. Um so I think that in the long run is going to help Portugal's coefficient more than than uh, if they were in the Champions League struggling. Assuming that they would have struggled, uh, also big for the coefficient or for the coefficient points is Braga and Vitória Guimarães. They of course are in the next round. Uh, they're in the playoff round of the UEFA the Europa League. Should they get into the group stage, that's three more points for each of them. That means Portugal will have four teams in European competition this season. That in group stage competition, four points for Benfica and 12 points for the other, th- oh, I'm sorry, five teams because Sporting is also in the, in the group stage. So they would get a total of 12 points. Yes, 12 points in the Europa League plus four from Benfica in the Champions League. That's 16 points before even a ball is kicked in the group stage. And of course you get... I think two points for every win, one point for a draw, coefficient-wise. And then if you make the round of sixteen in the Champions League, you get a larger amount of points than in the Europa League. But of course, as f- the further you go, the f- more points you earn. So um, I think Portugal is going to be fine as far as the coefficienty. Doesn't mean I'm rooting for Porto and Sporting. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I am thrilled about one thing, and that is both of our rivals. In fact, all of our challengers for the title, if you want to include the two clubs from the menu, um, are going to be playing that terrible schedule we were stuck with last spring. They're going to be playing those Thursday, Monday games. Okay, um, huge advantage for us. We're going to be playing Tuesdays or Wednesdays and Saturdays or Sundays. I think this couldn't have worked out any better for Benfica. That said, Benfica's got to take the field, obviously, and go win these matches in the Liga. And they got to put a good performance out in the Champions League. Obviously, we don't know what the group is going to look like just yet. So it's hard to make any projections. But I want to see a Benfica that is competitive, a Benfica that plays with a lot of pride in the jersey, in the emblem. And I want to see a Benfica that, uh, that leaves its mark in the competition and in Europe. Also in the news this week, okay, we got some player uh, contract re- uh, renewals, okay. Hanova Soinsh, uh, Tarabt is the first one. Tarabt, Bafikas, Moroccan international, Adele Tarabt has re signed. An ex- or I should say he has signed an extension and he has agreed to a 30% cut in salary to stay with Benfica until 2022. A little surprised by that, but perhaps there is a buyer somewhere out there and that is why the resale, uh, the resigning is there. Um, sorry, Neil, I know you're listening and I know how you like Tarapt, but um, I just don't see long-term him being much more than what he is right now for Benfica um if he proves me wrong i'll be i'll be thrilled about it okay i will be thrilled about it if he proves me wrong but that's uh but now he's signed until 2022 which gives Bayfica a chance to sell him if a buyer comes along either you know from one of the other leagues and i think there are some suitors out there for a player like tarap a player if he stays hungry and works hard in the right team he could really turn into that number 10 that neil wants him to be with bayfica uh also 18 year old right back Tomás Tavares has been called into the first team and has also signed a new contract until 2024. Um, he's 18 years old, very young. Uh, he's like a right-footed noon Tavares. Can you just see uh, in a year or so, Benfica lining up with if we can keep all these guys. Imagine this back four made in Seychelles one day. If we can keep all these guys it's going to be a tall order. But if we got Ruben Díaz, Ferro <laughs> Nuno Tavares on the left, and Tomáš Tavares on the right that will be a back line made in Seychelles. Uh, a lot of talent there. And um, I'm interested to see how this kid develops. Um, interested to see him integrate. But right now i think Nuno Tavares is the is the right back um he's hot at the moment and he's improving even though i think his future is still going to be as Grimaldo's replacement at left back also this week it's been announced it was in a ball, and it was in some of the other um publications bulenis sad sad code cities uh, president has announced or has at least stated on the record that Benfica and Belenenses have already agreed to terms on a loan for Benfica's Venezuelan striker Jander Khadij. Um and he's, and he's the president of Belenenses Saad said that it all lies on the player. Now, of course, with the two teams kicking off in about, oh, in about 18 hours or so. Honestly, uh, I won't be surprised if this deal is announced after the match tomorrow at some point. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think Khadij, he showed, he showed some promise last year at Stubal. I, I, I liked what I saw from him in the little bit I saw, at least when he played against Benfica. Um, I think that if he gets a whole another season under his belt in the Primera Liga, at a team that's going to need him, I think. I think uh, Belenenses is going to need him. They're struggling right now. Um, Silas seems to be a good coach it, it may be a very good situation for him, we'll see if he can go there and grow and make a mark and maybe show Befica that he does have a future at the Luge um, also in the news this week Befica B, of course last week opened up their Pro Liga season with a 2-1 victory over Istriel Praia at the Seychelles, goals scored by Pedro and Imbaló and of course 18 year old Umaru Imbaló signs a contract extension this week as well until 2024 we are signing up these young players Long-term, I like it. Let's put huge exit clauses on these guys. Let's hold on to them unless, you know, the big boys want to pay the big money. That is the news this week, all right? On the other side, we're going to hear some some audio from the from the Pas Fajeda match, and then we're going to get right into a deep dive and analysis. Don't move a muscle, of course. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Find me on Twitter at Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, of course, Facebook. Just search Mr. Benfica, and you will find the show's page on Facebook. All right, stay right there. On the other side, we are going to talk Benfica 5, Passos de Ferreira 0. Right there was the sound of Nuno Tavares' goal early in the first half as it went beaming around the world by Antena Um. All right, that was how it sounded. The stadium went nuts and the young man came out of his shell. Uh, What a a start. What a start for the young. Yeah, as you heard the announcer say, the young left footed converted right back. (laughs) Still, I think it's, like I said, a temporary. I think it's a temporary measure until um, until Andre Almeida is back full fit. Although if Nunu keeps evolving and keeps growing as a player. Perhaps he stays on the right all the way until the day comes sometime. Who knows when Grimaldo is maybe sold because I think we now have his replacement right there in our squad. All right, let's go to Stadio de Luge. It is round one of Liga Nage 2019-2020. We've got Benfica versus Passos de Ferreira. The referee for the match is Manuel Oliveira, and there's a crowd of 62,956, basically 63,000 on hand at the Stadio de Luz. And surely many of those are, uh, are expats or immigrants living abroad that are back in Portugal for their holiday. Let's go to the lineups, all right? We'll start with Passos de Ferreira. It is Ricardo in goal. Across the back, on the right, Bruno Santos, Marco Baixinho, and Maracaj are the center-back pairing with Bruno Telsh. On the left side of the defense, four-man midfield in the 4-4-2 for Passos de Ferreira. Uh, on the right, number 10 was Pedrinho, the, the center-mid pairing Diaby and Luis Carlos. And the left-sided mid was the Benfica youth product B- Bernardo Martins. Up front, a pair of twin strikers, Zé, Wilton, and Douglas. Benfica also in a 4-4-2. No real surprises in this lineup. You have Odie in goal across the back. Nuno Tavares on the right. Francisque Ferreira, better known as Ferru, and Ruben Diaz in the middle with Alex Grimaldo, the left back. Four-man midfield. Also, no surprises, as I had expected. Uh, we got Florentino in the uh, playing in the hole with Samadish uh, playing sort of beside him, kind of a double pivot. Um, Samadish, with a little bit of rust on him, uh, didn't play much in the preseason, the matches at least, not in the ICC matches. I will be very careful with my wording as Bruno Laj has corrected media when, when they would say certain players didn't play. He would correct them, say they didn't play in the tournament. Uh, Andres Samaric played very little in the tournament. But as the match went on, he um, he, he he also got better. Uh, of course, the wide players, PZ on the right and Rafa Silva on the left. Um, the two men strike pairing were, it was a pair of essentially twin strikers. Uh, last year's golden boot winner, of course, the Swiss assassin, Haris Seferovic, and the new signing, the 20 million euro striker from Real Madrid, Raul de Tomas, RDT, as he wears on his shirt. Um, and that still a work in progress, but high work rate for, for both of those players as well. Um, again, Benfica coming in, very little surprise. The only... The only doubt before the game was who was going to pair up with Florentino in the midfield. Was it going to be Samarij? Was it going to be Tarapt? Was it going to be somebody else? But in the end, it was going to be Samarij. That's what I would have expected, of course. And so we have, if you watch this match, of course, on BTV, your announcers were Elder Cunduto and Rogerio Matias. On Goal TV, we had new a new commentary team. I had never heard these two guys before. Kind of missed the guys from last season, to be honest. Um, but this this match was commentated by Alejandro Vásquez and Fernando Former. Um, they sounded like they were both also Argentinians. Um, Goal TV does tend to stick with Argentinian commentary teams. But um, judging by their pronunciation and their accent, I, I'm going to guess that they were Argentinian uh n- not so familiar with uh with the lineage as you know Omar F- Fuentes and uh, Alejandro Figaredo were last season. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the new commentary team on Goal TV but um all in all I- I'm I'm going to give them a chance obviously. Uh interestingly though I I found it funny that they continued to pronounce our opponents as Paco Stiffereda. Uh they should have been, you know, they should have been smartened up. As to what the sedilia, as we call it underneath the sea, means on passouge makes that an S sound, but can't expect everybody to know that. All right, so the ball we kick off with, we kick off with Pasuj de Ferreira. and in the second minute, Bruno Tells will win a free kick on the left wing on a foul by RDT. No harm done. Um, fifth minute. Mohamed Diaby of Paços de Ferreira also wins a free kick, but it's in the defensive half on a foul from Seferovic. Eighth minute foul from Marco Baishinu, and Seferovic wins a wins a free kick in the attacking half. And that eighth minute foul by Baishinu is awarded a yellow card caution by the referee Manuel Oliveira. Marco Shinu goes is the first player in the book for Paços de Ferreira. Uh, The attempt would be missed, of course, as uh, RDT's right-footed shot from outside the box was too high on the direct free kick. 11th minute, an attempt is missed as Diaby uh, of Passos has a right-footed shot from outside the box, but it's just high and wide. Uh, Bruno Telles had set him up on that one. One minute later, Raul de Tomas, RDT, left-footed shot from outside the box, misses just to the right. Benfica gain a corner in the 17th minute on a play where the ball was conceded by the cautioned, aforementioned Marco Baixinho. Um, but nothing comes of it as the attempt is missed by Grimaldo. His left-footed sh- uh, effort from the left side of the box was just too high uh, following the corner. The 19th minute, an attempt is blocked as Bruno Martins he fires a right-footed shot from outside the box, blocked by who else but the man that I continue to say but who else Florentino Luiz that's right Tino with the with the block the man that destroys the play um strong player uh, and and he's off to a fantastic start this season it is Florentino Luiz of course uh Passus would concede another corner in the 19th um no excuse me Passos would have a corner in the 19th conceded by Ruben Diaz. um no danger, however, as um, shortly thereafter an offside called on Pastors uh striker Douglas Tanke um, on a ball that was sent in by Uilton. Zou- Utilia- U- Wilton is how you say it. Nineteenth <laughs> um, minute, Rafa winning a free kick in the attacking half as he is fouled by said uh, you His name is going to get me all game, all episode. Uwilton. Okay, New Wilton is the name of the player from Passos de fajeda All right, so we move forward. 21st minute, a foul by Douglas Tanque um, on Florentino Luis gives a free kick to Benfica. But again, Benfica struggling through the first 20 minutes, I think, and struggling in the sense that they really didn't get much going. Um, they were, I wouldn't say they were sitting back, but they uh, were finding it a little bit tough. To create some real chances, as you can hear by that uh, first 20-minute, you know, uh, rundown. It sounded like, uh, you know, there was a, a lot of the efforts were coming from the Passos de Ferreira side. Uh, Passos with a, a pretty decent setup. But uh, Benfica uh, plays this game. And, you know, we saw this last season with once Lige came on board. This Benfica team starts strong, typically. But if they don't, you know... It's always a matter of getting that first goal. Um, once that first goal gets, they do seem to settle a little bit. They go for the second. They're not a team that just that just retreats after scoring a goal. They go for the second, and usually after the second, the floodgates open. And we would move forward now to the 23rd minute, okay? Okay. Um, BeFico would have another corner kick, and it was conceded by Marco Baicchini. Uh The ball would come out, but in the re in the rebuild, um, BeFico would build it down the right the right side as Pizzi. Um, with his avenue to the box blocked by the organized Passos de Ferreira back line. Uh, he would slot it back to Nuno Tavares who looked up, play, put the ball on his preferred left foot, and then fired an absolute rocket to the far post. It would, it had a wicked bend. I mean, this ball had a wicked bend. This thing went way wide and then cut back like a missile towards goal, finding the upper 90. And Nuno Tavares puts Benfica ahead in the 25th minute on an assist by who else? But Urejda's assist is the king of the assists, PZ. Benfica won. Passos, nil. 28th minute foul by Douglas Tanke on Andreas Samaris in Benfica's defensive half, killing the attack for Passos. And 29th minute on a cross here. It, it would be Bruno dos Santos, the the central defender for Passos de Ferreira. In a absolutely clumsy and just unacceptable uh, mistake for a professional central defender. He goes up with Raul de Tomas and he gets his hand up and pu- literally punches the ball uh, without knowing anything about it. He didn't have any idea where his arms were. He had no idea where the ball was. He had his eyes closed, it looked like. And that would ultimately be a punishing uh, mistake as Benfica would be given a penalty kick and on the penalty kick, peasy would step up, and he is getting good at these penalty kicks. He's getting much calmer. I remember when he first started taking them, it was it was just nerve-wracking to watch, but um, he gets up there. He does his little paradinha, his little stutter step. Um, I don't, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit nerve-wracking also because, you know, you're just waiting for the referee to call it, but as you watch the replay, peasy never does come to a complete stop um, however, I feel like you're playing with fate with that putadinha. Now that's, that putadinha is something I used to try to use also when I played. And, uh, cause I did take penalty kicks, uh, at least one season of my career. I was the team's penalty shooter and I practiced it a lot. And I did use the putadinha myself when I played, but it was, that was back in 2000, 2001, 2002. Um, the last time I, Took a penalty kick in a real game was I think 2004, uh, but I did use the putt but it was not it was not called the way it is today. Um, it was a lot there was a lot more leniency by referees now in this age of VAR. Of course, you got to be very very careful. PZ does do it perfectly. He plays it to his right. The goalie goes left, and BeFica are ahead two nil. And fast forward to the 34th minute. A yellow card now to Passage's Douglas Tanque. Okay. Uh, Douglas is shown the yellow card for a bad foul on Alex Grimaldo, on Alejandro Grimaldo, our left back. Uh, 35th minute. Bernardo Martins would win a free kick on the left wing. Uh, fouled, of course, by Nuno Tavares. But the attempt would be missed as Douglas would try a left-footed shot from the center of the box. Um, but he missed to the right, and no harm done by the foul there from the young Portu- uh, the young Benfica right-back, or makeshift right-back, Nuno Tavares. 38th minute, an offside called. Tupacos de Ferreira as Pedrinho tried to play a through ball to Douglas, but he was offside. Um... Forty-second minute, another attempt missed by Passage. Passage in the first half, despite the scoreline, were, were creating some good opportunities for themselves. And um, here it would be Bruno dos Santos. Uh, his header from the right side of the six-yard box, or from the small area, uh, misses to the right. He had been, ass- he would have been assisted by Pedrinho, and Bayfica got a little bit lucky there on that one. Uh, 43rd minute, Befico would get a corner kick conceded by Maracaš Or I should say Maracaš But the attempt was missed as Seferovic's right-footed shot from the center of the box was sky high, way over, um, following a, a corner. And that, that pretty much closes out the first half. As uh, nothing more to really report on in the first half, Benfica uh, goes into the locker room, into the team room, ahead two-nil at the break, and uh, we're gonna take. It's gonna give us a chance to take a break. All right, um, and when we come back, you'll hear. A little more from Antenna U uh, from the second half. All right, so stay right there. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustino. Uh, follow me, of course, as always, on Twitter at Benfica Mister, And as always, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Also, if you're listening on Apple, on Apple Podcasts, please take a second give the show a five star rating so that we can get this out to more benfikisha there's more english-speaking benficishas around the world all right I'll be right back with uh the second half stay right there <laughs> you heard there was the combination for the the fourth goal for Benfica um scored of course by Pizzi on an assist from Nuno Tavares with help also from Chiquinho um for me that was my favorite goal of the game I think uh they were as as great of a wonder strike as the first goal was this was quite a goal in terms of build-up in terms of play in terms of movement um and uh really at this point you could see that, that Nunt Tavares was feeling really, really confident in this match. Uh no substitutes to talk about at the half uh from either team. We go into the second half and two minutes into the second half, it is uh it is Bruno Martins from Pasos de Fajeda showing being shown a yellow card for a bad foul on Ruben Dias. And um a really not intelligent foul by the young player. And um, though the free kick would come, nothing would come of the free kick, What uh, this this play would end up becoming a key moment in the match for Pastor de Ferreira, as you'll find out a little bit later if you don't already know why. 49th minute, Raul de Tomás's. Uh, left-footed shot from outside the box was once again blocked, and Befica is finding a lot of space uh, closed down. They're really having a hard time um, really opening the game up and really playing with any fluidity. They're playing um, very closed, very, you know, a lot of high-percentage passes, but not getting any penetration, really. And um, I could see at this point, you know, that that there was something a little bit missing uh, from the team in this match. And... um, I, uh, you know, I was watching the match with my father, and we were both saying there uh, that something was still missing. There was still a link missing between the forwards, the strikers, and the midfield, because um, Seferovic and Raúl de Tomás RGT, were were working, but they're just not connecting with the rest of the team, and they're not. They were not really getting good chances um, at the. You know they really weren't getting good chances, and uh, Safarovich looked like a candidate for to be substituted, as nothing seemed to be uh, coming off of his foot. Right, he had some horrible misses, some that you know were borderline embarrassing for him. He had a right-footed effort that just he, it looked it looked absolutely elementary, and I started thinking that it was time. You know it's early in the half, but. But something was missing, and I I thought that that link-up player was on the bench. I thought it was either Jota or it was Chiquinho, um, as Caillou Lucas was not on the bench for this match. Um, I really thought that one of those two guys would would improve uh, the situation on the field because we saw from both of them in the preseason how they can break lines and attack spaces, and Rafa was not having a good game at this point either. I think Rafa had been a candidate for... For substitution. But Rafa, what I like about him is, and of course he relies a lot on his speed. But as the game goes on, Rafa gets better. As the other team tires, he starts to really hurt the other team. He starts to run at them as he keeps his fitness. He keeps his pace throughout the match. So even if, you know, he loses a couple of balls. But here and there. And even when he's not having a good match. I mean, he's so dangerous. So Rafa's a guy I think that really needs to stay on the field. Unless he's really, really not having a good night. But um, at this point, it looked like something had to change. Fifty-fifth um, minute now. Fast forward a little bit, as it is a foul by Rafa on um, Mohamed Diaby of Passage de Fajira. but nothing again coming from that Benfica. Starting to get a little bit better in the match. Uh, the fifty-fifth minute, Samaris would win a free kick in the in the defensive half, and that would that whistle would bring on the first substitution of the match. And it would be Pasos de Cohera bringing on Iago Cesar in the place of Zé Wilton. All right. And and he would come on. And I believe that um, Pasos would keep the same form. But it looked like they're trying to solidify a little bit and trying to get a few more opportunities as at this point i think they thought they still might have a comeback in the wings if they could get that next goal so the manager goes to the bench um and the 50 57th minute is of course the through ball that finds iago cesar but it is offside uh this is the one that win in the goal would have made it two to one but the player was clearly offside uh 58th minute PZ wins a free kick in the defensive half. He's fouled by Pedrinho. Pedrinho. And, um, again, another wasted opportunity as uh, the free kick would come to no avail. And Benfica would is still starting to struggle. And it looks, like I said, like they needed something else. But then, um, Pastor Fajeda, you know, about 10 minutes later, would would give Benfica the break of the match, even more so than the penalty, I think, when Bernardo Martins makes an absolutely stupid foul on Noon Tavares. Tavares is by him. He's in Tavares is in his own defensive third. I mean, he's he's entering the middle third, but he is of no danger to the pass Ferreira. But a frustrated Bernardo Martins grabs him, uh, puts his arm around the shoulder, wrestles him to the ground, and... Um, he goes down holding his face at the same time, I think hoping for sympathy from the referee, but the, the referee was not going to show him any sympathy. It was an absolutely stupid foul, and it's something that would drive a manager absolutely crazy. And, you know, Benfica have a history now under Bruno Though when teams make stupid mistakes, and they give them a chance. Benfica makes you pay Badly, they have been doing that since January when Brunelage came on board, and Bernard Martinez is shown his second yellow. He is off. He is taking an early shower. Passos of Hedda down to ten men, not what they needed at that point. And Brunelage, seizing the moment, uh, makes a uh, makes a terrific uh, chess chess match of a substitution here. He's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. We've said that before about Brunelage. But it was the, the the change I was waiting for. Uh, very happy about this change. Even though he worked hard. And I think he's going to be, in time, a very important... I think by throughout the season, he's going to be a very important part of this Benfica team. But the time was right to sub off RDT. Raul de Tomas comes off. And it is Chiquinho coming in for for Raul de Tomas. And he's playing as that link I was talking about. Almost in the João Felix position or Jonas position as it's been called already so many times this early early this season but um and it looked like from the moment Chiquinho stepped on the field part of this was because Passage went down to 10 as well but from the moment he came on they were playing better okay Benfica were were finding spaces the ball was moving again and like I said from the moment Chiquinho stepped on the field it was a different Benfica and for me this is the the managerial move of the match. I think this is the tactical switch that was necessary. And the rest of the match will show that uh, that Bruno Laj made the right decision here. Two minutes later, Pasuj would try to counter the move and Diogo Almeida would come on for Douglas. But in the 69th minute, it would be the third goal as Seferovic's left-footed shot from very close range. A tap-in would go in on a pass from Chiquinho. Of course, Nuno Tavares combining with Chiquinho on a nice give-and-go down the right flank. Chiquinho, this, this assist was fantastic, and, you know, this is something that doesn't get mentioned enough. This was an absolutely difficult, difficult cross to make. is running full speed towards the goal line, okay, at the maybe at the perimeter of the penalty area, okay? Running straight on to a ball that's also going towards the goal line. And he manages to get all the way around the ball, swing his hips around, and first time the ball across the area, across the face of goal, coming slightly backwards right on to Safarovic's run. Safarovic's left foot tap in makes it 3 to nothing, And this is checkmate, if you will. This was game, set, match in all reality. Um, as far as um, as far as Benfica were concerned, and as far as as Passos were concerned, because at this point Passos broke absolutely. Uh, they completely broke. The floodgates would now open as um, Chiquinho would get to pick up the assist for the reigning Golden Boot winner. Seventy-first minute is a historic moment for Passos. a historic moment for Portuguese football. As a whole, as Passus would make a substitution, as Pedrinho would be subbed off by by Passus. And coming on is the youngest player to ever play in the Ligue 1 of all time. 16 years and 4 months. Machoy Jalo comes on. Uh, the previous youngest player had been Bruno Gama um, uh, many, many years ago, but... On comes Machoy Jaló. He is the youngest player ever to play a first division match in Portugal. Again, 16 years and 4 months. And he looked pretty good in this match, actually. Even though everything around the side was crumbling. Um, Machoy really looked, looked pretty good. He is also he is the son of a former Boavista player, also. A um, few minutes later, though, however... 73rd minute. Benfica were at it again. Again, this was this was my favorite goal of the match. Um, it was Pizzi scoring on a right-footed effort from a very difficult angle on the right to the bottom left corner on a brilliant, brilliant ball from Nuno Tavares. Nuno Tavares chipping it over a pair of Passos de Ferreira defenders. And a, it finds its way to... PZ and PZ buries it. 4-0. The Stadio de Luge erupts. There's a bit of an leave you there <laughs> as uh, it's relief. And Benfica now know three points are in the bag. Of course, Benfica at this point already knew the results from earlier in the in the day. And they will, obviously wouldn't have known the results from Sunday. But we'll go through all the results in a little bit. But Benfica now know that they are going to finish week, week one top of the table um, as it is now 4-0. And it is the Benfica that we love to see—the Benfica that scores goals, as uh, PZ early on starting the season like he did last year, two goals right off the bat. Remember last year he began the season with a hat trick against Vitória Guimarães, and this season he scored. He begins with two goals in the seventy seventh minute. Jo- um, Bruno Laj would again go to the bench as Jota would come on replacing Rafa. Rafa. Puts in a decent effort, even when he's not at his best. He still works very hard, puts out a lot of effort, creates a lot of opportunities. Very, um, very shows the depth that Befica have because is also a hungry young player that can do a lot of the things that Rafa can do. Um, Jota, also a very, very talented dribbler. And we saw in the preseason, he's also matured quite a bit and he has learned a little bit better how to use that dribble and how. To not use the dribble when not necessary. Um, also, in the seventy seventh minute, it was a double substitution. Off came, uh, off came the Greek international Andreas Samaris. His first significant minutes of the season, seventy seven minutes in for the Greek, and the midfielder would be replaced by a striker, um, as it would be the debut of Benfica's new seventeen million pound striker, Carlos Vinicius. The Brazilian would step onto the Stadio de Luz. He'd already scored a goal in the Stadio de Luz last season at the same goal, that at the same end that Benfica were attacking at this point in the match. Of course, last season he was wearing the green and white vertical stripes of Riuave before going on loan in the second half of the season to Monaco. Um, but Be- but he's now Benfica's player and he comes on um, as Chiquinho drops into the midfield to play more of a central midfield role. 80th minute, Iago Cesar of Passos Ferreira winning a free kick on a foul from Grimaldo. Um, that was handled easily by Odie. Odie was m- mostly a, a spectator um, in this one. Not so much. He didn't see as much work as he did, obviously, in the Super Cup against the Sporting the previous week. In the 81st minute, an attempt is saved as Jota's left-footed shot from the left side of the box... Um, is saved in the bottom left corner by Ricardo, and it was a pass that was fed to him by Carlos Vinicius. Eighty third minute, though, Benfica would find the back of the net once again. Some nice play again on that right side, and this time Nuno Tavares was not playing around. Um, he wasn't trying to put it on his left foot. He he looks up, he sees the opening, and he just hammers a right-footed cross along the ground on a curve right into the stride of Carlos Vinicius. And the Brazilian scores within a few minutes of stepping onto the pitch. He scores for the first time as a Benfica player, and he scores at the same end that he scored at last season as a member of Rio Ave. 5-0 to Benfica now. The Luzinhas come out, uh, much to the dismay of some of the hardcores. But Benfica fans celebrating, singing. And Benfica sees this one out at this point. And the match ends 5-0 in favor of the Glorioso. On now to the player ratings, courtesy of GoalPoint.pt. Of course, let's start with Passos de Freira. Uh, their ratings are obviously not going to be the best as they just got hammered 5-0 and had a hard time, especially in the second half. Their best player, though, was Diaby with the 5.9. Uh, Ricardo Ribeiro the goalkeeper 4.3 across the back Bruno Tells 4.6 Maracaj 5.3 Baixinho 4.1 Bruno Santos 4.2 Vilton 5.1 Pedrinho 4.9 Diaby 5.9 like I said their best player Luis Carlos 4.6 and Bernardo Martins 4.8 Diego Tanque 4.5 um the substitutes also. Machoy had a 5.0. Diogo a 4.5. And Iago 4.7. And now for Benfica. Their ratings in this match. We have here. In goal. Vlako with a 5.2. Not a lot of work to do. Um, Tavares with an 8.2. He was my man of the match. Goal point had him second. Um, but for me he was my man of the match. Especially after, you know. I've been harping for three weeks about his shortcomings as a right-sided player. I, again, I n- never said it was his fault. I think he's going to be a brilliant left-sided defender, left wing back. But really, starting to grow, and he just had a great, a great night, starting with his first goal in the Liga Nash. 8.2 again for Nuno Tavares. Central defenders Ruben Diaz 6.5, Fehu 5.0. Vechu was was one of the lower markings for the entire Benfica team. Grimaldo, 6.0. Rafa, 5.2. Samadish, 5.6. Florentino, 5.3. Seferovic, 6.0. Raul de Tomas, RDT 4.9. While PZ puts in another man-of-the-match performance. That's the second of the season already. He was the man-of-the-match in the Super Cup. And now, once again, the man-of-the-match here in round one of the Ligonage NOS. 8.6 for Pizzi. Two goals and an assist. Chiquinho off the bench with a 5.9. And Carlos Vinicius off the bench with a 6.8. Uh, some statistics. We got crosses for were 17-5 in favor of Benfica. Corners 10-3 in favor of Benfica. Uh, duels won 42-41 for Benfica. That was a close statistic. The duels were very were very tight. Fouls committed 15 by Benfica. And eleven by, Passage de Feira offside zero times. Benfica offside not a single time in this match. That's a rare thing. And five times four, uh, Pastor de Feira. and of course my, f- <laughs> the the statistic I mock openly pretty often. Um, <laughs> the ball possession. In this one again, without any context, Benfica sixty-three percent to thirty-seven. I think Benfica territory-wise, as soon as the second half, in the second half at least, really uh, dominated territorially, and that would be um, that would bring some more context to, of course, the possession numbers. Of and let's continue on and get a few more statistics here as we look at. The man of the match, who is PZ, of course. I'm looking at the heat map here, and he really covered the whole right side of the field. Uh, that's really where he got a lot of a lot of his work done, like he normally does, starting wide on the on the right side and then coming inside, really hard for thus far for opponents to deal with that. Uh, two goals, one a ass- one assist, of course. Um, he gave five passes for a shot, sink pass. They say passes for finalization, meaning for you know shots. Um, a seventy percent pass efficiency. Eight out of four, uh, eight out of four. I should say four out of eight for long passes. So he attempted eight long passes. Four were on point, and he was two for three in dribbles, uh, successive dribbles, and he recovered possession five. Times, of course. Again, he is the man of the match. All right, let's go now to some words from Bruno Lage. Take it away, Bruno Lage. Good night, Luis Costa Branco, BTV. Fica uh, com a ideia. Não sei se correta ou não, e totalmente incorreta. Queria to que me confirmasse uh, isso. O futebol do Benfica foi mais fluido na segunda parte do que na primeira. Por quê? Porque tivemos a oportunidade de, na segunda parte, corrigir um pouco hum, os posicionamentos. E o posicionamento reflete muito aquilo que é posicionamento, uh, movimentação e decisão. E, e isso reflete muito daquilo que foi o, o terceiro gol. Observar a movimentação de quando a bola chegou ao rolador, movimento chiquinho e depois a assistência para o gol. Foi basicamente isso. Houve, hum, Oferecendo. And that was Bruno Lage answering the question from BTV's Luís Costa Branco, uh, asking about at least as he saw it and he asked the, the, the Mr. 2 correct him if he was wrong, but it looked like Benfica in the second half were much more fluid, and he said, what was the difference between the first half and the second half? And uh, Brunelage pauses and says, well, we were able to correct our errors and correct our our side, and be we were made ourselves able to exploit the spaces which Patsuz gave us. And th- that they did in the second half, and uh, for me, I really think that the The two key moments came in the second half. Yes, the penalty was crucial as well, but I think what really took the game and what allowed Mefica to to go for the kill and to step on the head of the snake and to knock out Passos de Ferreira, if you will, if you use a boxing analogy, was the, the short couple of minutes span there between Bernardo Martins being sent off and Shekinu coming into the match and providing that much-needed link between the midfield and the attack, um, I think that was huge. And I'm really starting to think that at this stage in the season, I know RDT is cost $20 million, and I still believe he's going to be a big part of this team in one way or another. But I think for this next match coming up la- later on today, now as it's now past midnight here on the east coast of the United States, um... It is now Saturday, August the 17th. So later tonight, when Befica go to the Jamur to take on Boulinetsch, I would like to see Chiquinho in the starting lineup. I'd like to see what he could do in that João Felix slash Jonas position um, and see if he doesn't link up better with Seferovic. I mean, there has to be rotation in the squad. Okay, uh, there's going to be a lot of matches. We go into September. There's going to be Champions League. There'll be an international break. Guys are going to come back at different times. Um starting Shikinu right now over RDT does not does not stop or does not discredit RDT. It's I, lineups really need to be made on a match by match situation. Just like I said in regards to the center mid, there's matches where I feel that Tino is the guy that should start in the hole, and there's matches that I think are better suited for Samarish to start there. Um and assuming that's once Gabriel returns healthy but that's that's my the way i look at matches i think that the certain opponents sometimes call for different looks different different lineups and i think there will be matches that call for two twin strikers safarovic rdt and there's gonna be matches that call for that call for shakinyu and safarovic there'll be matches that call for uh jota and our nrdt perhaps or any other of the combination, uh, and now you got Carlos Vinicius in there. There's got to be rotation. They're all gonna get their chance. I think with this manager, they're gonna get chances. Um, but I would like to see you worked into the starting lineup at least for this match. Um, as you know, next week we host a Porto team that's gonna come in hungry to turn things around. Regardless of how they do this week, they're gonna come in hungry. To turn things around and get their season going in the right direction. Now let's go over the scores for week one in Liga 1. Week one began Friday, August the 9th with a nil-nil draw in Algarve. Portimonense zero, Bulnes Sad Code City zero. Uh, on Saturday, August the tenth, of course, Santa Clara at home drops their opener. Uh, Santa Clara zero. Newly promoted family count Two. the next game was in Barcelos. And this is a game that, like I said, Benfica knew this result going in. And this is quite a way to start. It was Gil Vicente on their return to the first division, to the Liga From the Campeonato Portugal. They came up two levels this year. As you may or may not know, that decision was made by the court of arbitration for sport that they were wrongly penalized with uh, with relegation years ago for an illegal player issue. Uh, Gil Vicente 2, Football Club de Puerto 1. And, of course, later that day, the game we just reviewed, Benfica 5, Passos de Ferreira 0. On Sunday, Boa Vista 2, Desportivo das de Aves 1. In Madeira, Maritimo 1, Sporting Clube de Portugal 1. And Amin Udarbi saw Sporting Braga 3-1 Monday, the last matchup of the first round. Well, at least there is one match still to be played. It will be played during the international break in September as field conditions at Riwav were not up to par. But the final match for now of round one, Vitoria Stubel 0 Tondela 0 and The first match of round two was played earlier today. So let me read that result to you also. Once again, newly promoted, Fumalikão debuting at home, winning 1-0, a major upset against a team that I have, you know, big expectations for this year. Fumalikão won Riwav and Carlos Carvalhal nil. A surprise, shocking result. Let's go to the table. So, of course, with two matches, Bumalicão are top of the table tonight, 6 points, 3-goal difference, while Benfica are second on 3 points with a 5-goal difference. Braga are next, also with 3 points, 2-goal difference, while Bovista and Gil Vicente are at 3 points with a 1-goal difference, completely even. Maritimo, Sporting, Belenenses, SAD, Portimones, Tondela, Vit- and Vitoria Stubal with 1 point. And then next in 12th, with no games played yet, with no matches played yet, Vitória Guimarães with zero points, obviously. And below them, 13th, is Steve De Zavs, with no points and a negative one goal difference. 14th, take a picture of it because this doesn't happen too often. It's Football Club de Porto. Pinto Da Costa is in 14th place with no points and a minus one goal difference. Riuav right below them. Or even, I should say, with a minus one goal difference and no points. Moreirense in 16th, minus two goal difference and no points. And in the relegation zone after one round, Santa Clara, minus two goal difference. And Paso de Freira in the bottom with a negative five goal difference, obviously. And that is that. Let's go to leading scorers after one round or 1.1 rounds. PZ is the top goal scorer with two goals, and then you have several players—16 players or 15 other players—with one goal. I can read them off: Ahmed Hassan of Braga, Bozidar Krajev of Gil Vicente, Carlos Vinicius of Benfica, Fran Sergio of Braga, Jetterson of Marítimo. Seferovic of Benfica, Lorenzi of Gil Vicente, Meharad Mohamadi of Avj, one goal as well, Nene of Morirens. Nuno Tavares of Benfica, Sebastian Coates of Sporting, Wilson Eduardo of Sporting Braga, Omnije of Boavista, Alex Teles of Porto, and Rafael Costa of Boavista. Assist leader. After two, we- after one week, Nuno Tavares of Benfica with two assists. Wellington Junior, Bruno Fernandes, Chiquinho, jean Clay, João Afonso, João Aurelio, João Novais, Mateus Jimpizi, all with one assist. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for this week for episode twenty-five of Mister Benfica. Um, be sure to follow all the social media, of course, and if you get in this this pod on Apple. Uh, podcast, please give it a five-star review so we can get it out to more English-speaking Benfiquistas. I know they're out there. There's still a lot um, of places that have not found Mr. Benfica. Um, next week, it'll be episode 26. We're obviously going to review the game against Code City, but we're also going to preview the classic for next Saturday, uh, a week from what is now today um we'll it'll be Benfica Futebol club de Porto at the Stadio de Luz. All right, so we'll have all that coming at you next week. So, in closing, Benfica are off to a good start. Let's make it another one, you know, against Bolnes Sad. Let's go into into Jamor, take down Code City, take back first place, go into the Clasico. Uh in first place. Força Benfica, carrega Benfica. Damu, 38. Have a good week, everybody, and enjoy the match. This has been Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agostinho Signing off.